There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. Say, head on over to the Nerdist channel right now, youtube.com slash Nerdist. We have a new series that premiered this week, uh, Realm of LARP, which is a live-action role-playing series. And we're not making fun of LARP. We are supporting LARP because it's awesome. So, youtube.com slash Nerdist, Realm of LARP. Go over there and check it out. Click subscribe while you're there. Um, that would be really nice. That would be really nice. You know what else is really nice is go to my PC. Continuing to support this podcast. Go to my PC by Citrix. You can access your entire Mac or PC on the go, wherever you are, right from your iPhone. You can get files, you can edit files, you can resave files, you, you can work on the go. Totally convenient. Sets up in minutes, and then you're done, and you have your computer wherever you are. What? Right? What? Go to mypc.com, go there today. Special 30-day free trial, just for Nerdist listeners. If you go to the website, you click the Try It Free button, you enter the promo code NERDIST, and then you download the free app for your iPad or your iPhone. That is it. Go to mypc.com, access your computer files from anywhere, try it free using the promo code NERDIST. And now this episode, who we got today, Katie Levine? We got James Gunn. Nice. Huh? Yeah, he's great. He is great. <laughs> Actually, you were at this state. You were at this recording, weren't you? No. Oh, I take it back then. No, I wasn't there. We recorded this one without you. Aww. Not that we don't want you there. I just wasn't there. I was busy with all the other shows. I get it. Some girl complained recently. She was like, you ramble too much in the beginning. And I'm like, really? Three to four minutes for a 75-minute podcast is rambling? But I've been talking to you more and more in the intro. So what she was really saying was, fuck you, Katie. <laughs> you going to take that? You going to sit there and take that, Katie? No. Seems like you're, you're going to. Yeah, you're probably. Pretty easy going. Mm. Pretty mellow. Yeah. All right, we'll take it. <laughs> uh, this is James Gunn. And uh, James, James Gunn has a new game coming out. It's a, a lot of pop chainsaw, uh, which you should totally check out. It's uh, It's... Girls with chainsaws cutting people up, carrying around dudes' heads. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think he talked about it on the Indoor Kids uh, YouTube. Oh, he uh, did. He was on. Yeah. yeah, he was on the YouTube. The Indoor Kids. Well, way to bring it around, Katie. You're more than just an audio engineer producing a 20 podcast and a pretty face, Katie Levine. <laughs> you know shit that's going on. So uh, James Gunn is a, is a good, good, good pal of mine. Super terrific guy, and uh, this is a super fun episode. So here it is, Nerds Podcast. Now I'm done rambling. Girl who's complained about that before. Sorry. Three to four minutes. What the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. Nurse Podcast. James Gunn. What episode number? 223. You're the best. Now entering Nerdist.com.
It is. Yeah. Almond butter is See, good. That's, that's it's really not. And the oil's so good. Where do you? What, it's so, really not why, why is your lunch Red Bull and honey roasted peanuts? We didn't have a lot of time between podcasts. Yes. And I just went to make up, and this is what I could eat <laughs> on my diet. This is like somewhat reasonable. The, the, but the Red Bull? It's sugar free. Yeah, but. Yeah. How's that not make your heart explode? Uh, my heart hasn't exploded yet. I don't think it's going to. Oh. Yeah, but how much more ca- caffeine's in that than in that? <laughs> this yeah, is just tea. Boom. This oh. is tea. Oh yeah, tea doesn't have caffeine. <laughs> it does have. It does have caffeine, but I don't think it's the same as Red Bull. <laughs> you never know. I would know if I drank that Red Bull. I would be See, tearing my fucking face this, off. This is no different from this. You're drinking right? coffee. Big, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a full yeah. Cup of coffee. Here, you'll have to get closer to the mic that's, there. That's does this say yeah, you have to get right up on that. Unfortunately, many, sorry. No, no problem. Caffeine's in it. No, I don't think they tell you how much caffeine. Yeah, eighty in. milligrams. Oh, eighty milligrams caffeine, which is what thirty-six in a cup of coffee, like a regular six-ounce cup of coffee. So it's like two. It's like a. It's like a large. It's like a like large a coffee. coffee. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah, only yeah, yeah. eight. I'm working smarter, not harder. Yeah. See, that's my weird thing is I think that I drink three cups of coffee a day, right? Yeah. But my three cups are sometimes three cups from my machine at home, which makes about coffee cups about with yeah. this much coffee. Huge, yeah. And sometimes it's two of those, like and then one of these, which yeah. is easily one of those three. Well, here's my, but in my head, it's got to be three. In the morning when I get here, we usually have the uh, pre-show meeting for Attack uh, at 10 a.m., and then right after that, I walk out the door, go to Starbucks, and get a venti Americano. Oh, my God. That's at least, that's, and I have at least that's two of those That's 20 ounces, right? I have at least two of those a day. It's four shots of espresso <sighs> and that's water. A, that's a lot of caffeine. Yeah. And when I get headaches, it's because I haven't had caffeine. You're oh, having me too. withdrawal. I, if I don't drink coffee yeah. by like one o'clock in the afternoon, I get deathly ill. I've and been, uh, I've been kind of drug you guys. I've been head. pretty much <laughs> off the uh, chai lattes for a week. Well, that's good. So, there, your, I'm your just... body thanks you, Mr. Milk. <laughs> Supposedly, coffee, caffeine, and heroin are the two things you weren't supposed to quit uh, cold turkey. Yeah, because you get so ill from right. quitting it. You're supposed to do it little by little. They should. I'm surprised there aren't uh, more heroin. Yeah, yeah. But. No, I'm, 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 I'm actually not surprised there's a lot of heroin. I'm actually surprised there aren't more places you can go as a caffeine addict, like like a rehab, where you go, just lock me up for a week and make sure I don't bite uh, bite through the wall. Well, I think, the, but the <laughs> thing is, is nobody really, when you do caffeine, it doesn't really cause any big problems in your life. So yeah. People get sick, though. Do they do quit, get the caffeine withdrawal. I don't think you get like the desire to do it again yeah. if you actually quit. Yeah. You know, like with cigarettes, you quit and you're, you've quit for a month Ugh. and you're still crazy to smoke. Tell me about it. Or oh. weed or even weed or anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, well, those are the crazy... Smell them, they're delightful. Those are the crazy clove, Indian clove cigarettes. Is that what those are? Uh... Yeah, I think they're a product of uh, Indonesia. Okay. Well, everything that comes out of there is uh, right. Healthy. Right. Yeah. I think. And they're cigars, Chris. They're not even. They're just filtered cigars. Is that how they get around it? That's I, how they got around the law. I smoke, yeah. I smoke cigars. I do. I smoke cigars as well. I don't. I don't do anything. I'm a huge humidor. I have. I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. Have a, I have like a thousand. What do you like about them? Is it yeah. the, is it the therapeutic aspect of like just sitting and puffing on a thing, or do oh, you actually great. like the way they they're taste? Great. Um, I, I, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I do like the relaxation. You know, mm. my buddy and I were getting together tonight to smoke cigars, and for some reason, if it's just two guys getting together to hang out, it seems a little gay to me. Yeah. But when you smoke cigars, it becomes instantly very much. Is yep. it cool if you when you put if, dicks in your mouth? It's way more. Is it much. cool if you if you? <laughs> then we afterwards we suck each other's balls. Yeah, I mean, is it wrong for two guys to get together and just give each other friend hand jobs? 
FHJs. No, no. no See, no, that's no. fine. I just consider friend. I consider that another person stranger. Yes, exactly. <laughs> another person exactly. stranger. It's the a- same that's as, an AP stranger. It's the same as, as giving like a shoulder massage. Yeah. yeah. But there's just a goal. Yeah. There's just a goal at the I end. I got the greatest massage by my friend. Are we recording? This? Wait, yeah. no, no, no. We haven't started recording yet. <laughs> I've been smoking cigars since I was 16. Really? Yeah, because I worked at a, what, what do you smoke? At a pharmacy. Uh, I smoke Monte Cristos a lot. Oh, you probably which, uh, at a pharmacy. Ones? You smoke those prescription the, uh, cigars. White label. I would have brought you something. I just got a. Uh, oh, so not Cuban mice. Well, the Cubans I get, I can occasionally. I would have brought you one. I just got a new limited edition uh, Monte Edmundo. Isn't that illegal, amazing. you guys? Oh shit! Really? Aren't those illegal? Eh, it's not so much anymore because of the. It's it's got, you know, most power. Cuban cigars in the world are sold in the United States. Oh really? Yeah. Well, then how are they, they really? I mean, it's again. They well, all you gotta do is go shit. online. Yeah, and you can get anything. Yeah, because you you get them through Switzerland. So there's all these Swiss shops set up that have like they don't know. have the same problems also, with Cuba that friends, America had. Yeah, <laughs> when my friends go on cruises, they tend to bring me back some. They smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just don't think I can. I do keep having the weird recurring dream where I'm drinking and smoking again, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, and how, it's been. Do you, do you not drink? No, I don't do anything. I don't. I don't. The only thing I do is cigars and caffeine. But me, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. The only thing. The only thing I did was chai lattes, and I just kind of gave those up. So now it's just me and. What's green. your vice, Chris? Let's get advice. Besides working too much, <laughs> I think. I think I'm gonna have to work. It's sort of like how when you shift your attributes in a game. I'm. I've taken out of the chai latte <laughs> uh, attribute, and I've put ten percent more into work. So I think that's how I think well, that's that, good. <laughs> well, so maybe. your work is now at two hundred percent. It's You've now two hundred percent. I'm starting to get those compounded, like in Skyrim, where you're like, oh, I have this ring that uh, it's ten percent, and then I have you know that I have a helmet that gives me another fifteen yeah, percent, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I have. Uh, so it's like it's all compounded for me. But speaking of games, Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. When's that coming out? June twelfth. June twelfth. States. Yeah. In the United States. Uh, I've been, we were talking, I remember talking to you about that ages ago. I think maybe, was it even last E3? Maybe we were talking about it a little bit? Um, boy. Like on air or off air? Just off air, maybe that you were doing it or that it was no, going to you know, happen. Where, where were we? Oh, South by South, where I met you at South by Southwest, maybe. Is that it? That would have been ages ago then, yeah. I like think it, I was already doing it. I mean, I've been doing it for two years. Oh my so. God. Wow. Like, yeah, I mean, it's. So what's the process for you? Like, what's just for most people who don't know the the, the game development process? How how does how does it work from are, your are end? Are we recording now? Yeah, now this. Now <laughs> okay. <we're recording>. okay. <laughs> Did I say anything terrible? Um, just the, three or four things. The, the process for me is that you know this you know Warner Brothers came to me. They had a concept um, developed by this guy Suda Fifty One, who's like the rock star of uh, Japanese gaming designers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was, I thought it was amazing. You know, it was, it was basically at that point, it was this unnamed character who had a chainsaw. She was a sexy cheerleader and she cut up zombies and a combination of gore and these rainbow hearts came out mm-hmm. and it was just aesthetically like right up my alley. It was so unique. And, um, and so I was, I was, I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'd always wanted to be involved in, in, in uh, making a game because I love playing games. I spend way more time playing games than I do watching movies or <laughs> maybe I spend as much time watching TV. 
But uh, yeah, and so then they hired me, and then I helped to create the characters. You write the script, and um, the script is much, much different than it is when you do a, a screenplay. When you do a screenplay, it's, you know, uh, you know, 100 pages, 115 pages, and this thing is like 1,000 pages. You know how I know video games are better than movies? Hmm. You get bummed out when it's only eight hours. You're like, oh, yeah. it was only an eight-hour game. That was very short. Right, right. And but if there's movie, an eight-hour movie, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I'm waiting for it to end. <laughs> so do, do, I, I, Half the time, I'm in an hour-and-a-half movie, and I just can't wait for it to end. Do you have to write, like, minutes. ten different endings and ten different storylines? No, because this one has a, a basic... I started off on a little bit more of a simple game. I'd like to do that kind of game next. But yeah. this is... Uh, this is it's, it's basically... This isn't an open-world game. It's, it's a straight-through one storyline. Okay. But... Within that, there's a million little different ways you can go. For instance, there'll be like um, Juliet Starling, who's the main character, will have to save a college student from a zombie who's about to be attacked in the corner of a high school. And she go, or you know, I guess a college student in a college. No, maybe she, he was picking up some girls. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, she goes over to save the student, and maybe she saves him or maybe she doesn't. So if she saves him, then I have to write 30 lines of him thanking her or saying whatever as he's running away. And if uh, he doesn't save her, then I have to write 30 lines of him as he's okay. dying. So when you're writing a film script, it's basically an outline. When you're writing a video game, you have a flow chart. It, it is a, it's done on Excel spreadsheets. That's how <laughs> oh, the screenplay is written, which was really odd to me. You know, I mean, the whole thing is very odd. And it's it's uh, the way you record it is is crazy because I also directed all the actors in the game because we have all these awesome people like Michael Rosenbaum who was oh, yeah. Lex Luthor on Smallville and Tara Strong who was My Little Pony and Power. Oh, Puff Tara Girls. Strong's a huge she's, voiceover yeah, actress. She's like, Julia. Awesome. She's amazing. The two of them are basically like the Abbott and Costello of the game because Michael plays her uh, disembodied head of a boyfriend who she carries around with him. Nice. And um, but I had to record all their lines separately. So I record all his lines and then I record all her lines. And it's it's very strange because the first time I put them together, I realized that there, tonally there were differences between the way Tara was performing and the way Michael's was performing. And I had to bring them back in. I mean, they had a lot of days to come in. And that was after just the first day. But I had to bring them back in and, and you know, re-record them to do a. Uh, Make them fit in the same game. Same I hope world. you blamed it on them, though, to just sort of keep them down a little bit. Yeah, As Rosenbaum, actors, you kind of have to. It's because Rosenbaum's a piece of shit. So. <laughs> oh, I mean, look at him. <laughs> Wait, I have a great Michael Rosenbaum story. <laughs> what is it? I, I was dating a girl years and years and years ago that guested on a sitcom that he was on with Selma Blair. Yeah. Uh, it was called Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. Okay, mm-hmm. it was like... Oh, um, yeah. A, a WB show, I, I remember think. The, I never saw the show, but I remember <laughs> <Yeah>. the <ads. laughs> Rosenbaum, I don't know. Maybe he's a totally nice guy now. But <laughs> but as a young fellow, was oh, no. so, <laughs> like, like, turbo Hollywood guy, where he was in the parking lot shouting across to someone else, yeah, I can't hang out with you guys. I got to go meet with this fucking cocksucker, whatever, Brian Graydon or whatever. I don't know what the fuck his name is. And you're like... First of all, you know who the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's Brian yeah. Graydon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that actually does sound like... Do you Rosenbaum's- really need to shout that across the parking lot? <laughs> if, he, he, if he was being funny, then it was funny. Rosenbaum is a, lo- a loud guy. He lives on the edge between being funny and that actually being him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, those are some of the best people. And he's, he's actually a great guy. One of the reasons I love Rosenbaum is because when I, when I first uh, split from my, my ex-wife... 
um, I started hanging out with a bunch of single guys who were kind of dicks. Yeah. And um, guys are dicks, to be guys honest. Guys are so dicky. And it was like people that I had been friends with for a while, but I had never seen that side of them. And listen, I like women. I date a lot of women. I, you know, I like to have fun, but I don't like there's a thing that some guys do where they just. I don't know. Calling them bitches is the first sign that it's the, like that. The, it's 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 that hardcore like okay now we're in a pack of males let's just be gross and objectify and be awful and yeah. ta- and talk about people as less than human beings. I I fucking I don't I I don't hang out with guys for that very reason. Like I just don't hang. I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah, and I didn't. I really I didn't know. I, I didn't know where I fit because most of my friends were in relationships at that time. And Rosenbaum and I shared a plane flight back from Vancouver, and we became we sat next to each other in the plane. We had met each other once before, and we became really good friends. And he was a guy he dates a lot. He's what he, Rosen. In fact, when I date a new girl now, one of the first questions I have to ask her is, "Have you dated Rosenbaum?" Because it, it's happened at least three times <laughs> oh, that the no. answer has been. And I'm like, and then the next question is, "Did you sleep with him?" Because if you slept with him, then I don't really want to, you know. Yeah, it's weird. But but. He was he was basically a nice person, and he's a person who has friends who he's had around him for a long time, like I do. A lot of my friends I've had for you know since I was a kid. I'm still friends with the same people, and it's it's rare to find those people in Hollywood, especially people with some success who keep friends for a long time, yeah. who are you know respectful, who like to have a good time, who are you know crazy in certain ways, but just have a soul. Sure. And uh, and so Rosie and I became really really close friends at that time. He's one of my best friends in the world. Oh, were you talking about Rosie O'Donnell? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Rosie t- Exit to Eden, talks everyone. about Let's girls talk about like it. bitches. Um, yeah, I don't. I just haven't hung out with him. I mean, I never hung out with him, but that was my only experience with him. I'm like, ah, what a weird, yeah, what yeah, a weird yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, how how long ago was that? Ah, uh, I mean, we right. were kids. You I know, mean, like, like if like you would have seen the things I he did. was he was probably like twenty or twenty years old or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The things I did ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I think back to all the stuff I did when I first moved. I remember going to Cannes film festival and i met mike judge for you know two minutes he came into the trauma office it was when i was working at trauma and i went and i wrote him this like a long letter of, uh. you know uh you know i think that you know i mean it was just like i was a huge fan and i, I wrote him this long letter like hoping that he would like call me because we hit it off and like we could like He'd work connect, together on connect something. With him. Like, yeah, wow, I don't know. No, what one, I, no one has the moxie to just sit down and write a, yeah, write yeah. a letter. <laughs> and now I get all those types of letters all the time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's it's uh, so you and Mike Judge did not become best friends. We did not become best friends. He was a t- super sweet guy, but yeah, but he never called me. I slipped, <laughs> so I gave the note to his assistant or slipped it under his door or something. <laughs> I mean, I did a million pathetic things like that when I first came to town. I guess it's not that bad, but I think back on it, I think of it myself as pathetic. Well, but there's a certain you know what's interesting is that the way that this the way the business works defies a certain amount of common sense and logic, and so you know, listen. Logically, it makes sense if you're an actor to put your headshot on business cards and right. hand them out. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what you would do with a normal job is hand out your business card to people and give them your resume. Yeah. Uh, but it just because of the way the business works, when you see that, you're like, Every time really. I do a signing, I come home with a stack of business cards, um, you know, b- movies that people have made, you know, screenplays I won't accept. 
But oh, you like, can't legally like yeah. you don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble for. I, yeah. I got sued once. For, That's the thing is when I think I want people to understand that when they hand you a script and you don't read it, they're like that guy's a fucking dick. It's yeah. like no, because if you make anything and they feel like that crosses over their story, they will sue you, and then yeah. your production falls I apart. I got sued uh, about you know maybe six or seven years ago. Um, I was at UTA and I sold a pitch for a screenplay, which is like since that this time the story has been told a million different ways. And I sold a pitch for a screenplay called The Newlyweds. And the basic idea of it was it was a romantic comedy um, where uh, a girl is about to get married to one dude and she gets wasted at her bachelorette party in an Indian reservation and she gets married to her ex-con boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend. And she wakes up the next morning. He He's blacked out and he leaves thinking he's doing her a favor. And she has to track him down to try to, you know, get... Uh, annul, you know the, the mm, marriage yeah. annulled before she gets married to the other guy, and um, I, I sold that pitch. It came out in all the trades that I had sold to Warner Brothers. It was a good deal. It was part of another. I, I had another picture attached to it. Actually, this was a long time ago because that second picture was Scooby Doo. So this was oh shit ten years ago, um, and uh, and at that time, all of a sudden, a few weeks later, I got a call from a lawyer that said I was being sued along with UTA because somebody had sent in a script called, I'll say it, it's called Wayne Newton Ruined My Life to UTA. And um, and that premise had a similar premise, premise to my premise. And what that guy thought happened was that they gave him, you know, my agent that screenplay. My agent read it and said, hey, this is great, but I know a writer who gets paid a lot more to sell this idea, so I'm going to give oh, this idea right. to him, and then he's going to go pitch it. Well, right away... I was able to prove I had like correspondence emails with my brother who I check out on everything with emails with my manager going back for like a year mm-hmm. about the premise. So I had proof that I'd come up with it far before it was ever sent to UTA. Um, and so after a while, the, the suit was dropped. But the weird thing is, and I, and I can't prove that it was the guy that wrote the script, but somebody like started, they, they, wrote, they did do an interview where they said they were ripped off with ideas. And then somebody was like doing AOL uh, email addresses. They kept changing their name to like screwed by you at AOL.com. Oh, Jesus. And for years sending me emails saying, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, that I had ripped them off. Right. And I mean, that's the only person that wow. I know who's. I I'm I have a freakish phobia about that of being falsely accused of something. Yeah. And then and then having that moment where like, but. But I didn't. I really didn't. Know. And then, but then, no one believes me. Yeah, I have yeah, that. Yeah. I have that. Recurring no, I, me too. I yeah, that that shows up, and I see that in movies. It always freaks me out. The other, the other weird guy on the internet, which is even crazier. This guy's nuts. He makes little, and I shouldn't really bring him up because he's like s- sort of a stalker. But whatever the case, this guy uh, writes me messages all the time saying that I owe him two hundred million dollars for Dawn of the Dead. Because I secretly recorded his life with cameras and recording devices and based the script for Dawn of the Dead on his life. Well, when you watch Dawn of the when the, when you watch the Dawn of the Dead remake, <laughs> you can clearly see that it is a documentary of a thing that actually I mean, that guy happened. Has been about to them all, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he makes little movies about me and how I'm a part of the Illuminati, and he shows like uh, you know directions to where my old offices were and he, all this different. He stuff. had to Crazy. shoot a newborn zombie baby. <laughs> I know, I know. What 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 life has he lived? Did we talk about this before? I think I feel like I had this conversation with Steve Niles about that 
there there was a comic that was all about a zo- like a sentient zombie that sort of um, uh, that kind of masters over like all of the mindless zombies. Is there is there a story like that like somewhere? The Borg Queen. Well, sort of, yeah, exactly, sort of. But where it's the same kind of, it's sort of that Blade story of like, and then when the mother was pregnant, she got bitten, yeah, and then so the baby yeah, was there, a hybrid. There, that does sound similar, familiar, but I'm not sure what. Yeah, I don't know what. That's. I'm actually surprised that no one has had no one has really done the, the you know like the sense. I mean, I've I've seen it. I've seen it in stories where they. They sort of touch upon the fact, like, oh, the, the, these char- these creatures might have a little more awareness than just being kind of brain dead. You like know. in Land of the Dead. Or, or, or like- I hate that guy in Land of the Dead, though. <laughs> I hate like what the nice zombie we're supposed to have compassion for. Did you see Fido? I know I never saw Fido. Fido was a fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that movie's good. I really want to see. It was that. Really, that sounds different. The concept, totally different. Well, that's a comedy. Is one of that. that. That's a comedy. But in in Land of the Dead, that guy that all of a sudden is like the good zombie. It's just I don't know, man. <laughs> you don't want to. Do, you know a bunch of good zombies. What? You should just do like good zombies. Like yeah. Hey, no one's speaking up for the zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It could be. That's actually you know it could be a, people who die who are assholes and they come back as zombies and they're really sweet and yeah. they like do things. Like, it's like pet cemetery. It really, yeah. it really, they just like it, it unlocked that certain part of their brain they yeah. can never access in life. Yeah. Like whatever the sort of degenerative chemical process that happens. Yeah. And so then they actually just become really cool. You know, movies where good things happen are always so successful that. <laughs> 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 you know, I like I you know make a movie where like someone's cancer is cured like in the first five minutes. Oh, that's great! And, and the rest of them is just living. Just, a they're great just life. hanging out. These are great movies. They're just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Call it ninety ten. Out of 50 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you do you do you feel like uh, do, when you're when you're writing a script, do you do you just sort of start with a plain idea and then go, all right, now how much can I fuck these people up? I you know I I, I changed how I write a script every single time I do it. But uh, you know the one thing like thinking of Dawn of the Dead, which was one of the most fun times I ever had writing a script, um, uh, was I just I, I went kind of this I just read, read that Stephen King book on writing, mm-hmm. which I think is a great book for anybody who's a writer to read. It's fantastic. Um, but you know I, I actually wrote it as I was writing it. I didn't outline it. Usually I outline, but I wrote it and I just the idea of putting a bunch of characters in this awful situation where they're in this mall surrounded by zombies, and then logically trying to figure out how would I actually try to get out of there yeah. and trying to take these different routes and keep going, and then you get cut off yeah. in different passes. And that was a really fun way to write. I mean, it was had a very specific type of premise in that. that. I think there's a lot of success stories to be learned from zombies because they always find a way. <laughs> they're <laughs> they very driven. Life, they are. Uh, they are. Life finds a way. It's sort of like play, it's sort of like play, it's sort of like playing blackjack. It, like the house is going to draw to 21 more times than you are. Yeah. Cuz that's just the way it works. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, they're they're so they're in, and yet they're so stupid. At the uh, but are they? Yeah. Yeah, no they are. I mean that's you know on The Walking Dead, which I love, as you know. Yeah. Um the one thing I really keep I, I have a hard time with on that show is, you know, when they were on the farm, I'm like Dude, what are you going to spend your time doing besides creating like walls and barbed wire? And I mean, I wouldn't do anything else but that if I was under attack yeah. by zombies. True. It's like that logical stuff. Or like the fact that they have the blood on them. I think we talked about this on yeah. The Talking Dead. You know, in the first episode or whatever, second episode where they put the blood on them and walk yeah. through the crowd. I mean, I'd be wearing zombie blood. I mean, I'd be wearing human what zombie blood. I'd be wearing zombie blood all the time. 
anytime I went out into town. I mean, you could really, you could start a viable business selling zombie blood on the internet <laughs> to people. I think, I think with the farm, though, a lot of that had to do with um, Herschel's denial about what was going on. Yeah, but the other people, I mean, even outside of that, I mean, come on. But they didn't. Herschel wouldn't let him. He right. wouldn't. He wouldn't let. He was. He was in denial until the very end about what was going on. Walking Dead apologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about all that same. I love I've thought the about show, all that but I mean, man, too. I really, I just would do nothing but like try to figure out how to live. Like, you know, anything. You know, you got to protect yourself. Why there was? Oh man. This is probably a bad thing to bring up because I can't remember what the example was, but there was, I was just thinking of a sci-fi, oh, it was, uh, oh, I was just thinking of True Blood. True Blood is a show that I watch. It's a, it's, it's the soap opera of shows. Yeah, I don't watch True Blood, but yeah. But I, I mean, it's very silly, and I think that's part of why, why I like it. But there, there's a thing in this, there's, there's this sort of, there's so many contradictions in the lore of the show that, you know, people get addicted to vampire blood and it's like a drug, like a hallucinogenic yeah. drug, and they yeah. get really addicted to it. But the other thing is that if you're injured, a vampire can just open a vein in your mouth and you just heal. And I'm like, well, wait. So if you take a droplet of it, it's yeah. like LSD, but you can drink a gallon of it and then it would cure everything? Well, yeah. why aren't they just harvesting vampire blood to cure all the problems? Like, yeah. I'm getting into maybe that's maybe I'm overthinking it. Yep, maybe, no, maybe I'm overthinking. No, it. I don't. I like you know rules have got to stay rules. Because you a can big sus- believer in rules and movies. I mean, I I notice that stuff. It drives me crazy. Because you can suspend your disbelief that okay, this is their universe. But within that universe, there are a certain there's a certain number of if thens that you have to follow in order to make sure that the universe stays intact. Yeah. Uh, or at least that it that, that everything just couldn't be solved instantly and like, well, why is this even a story anymore? Yeah, I do notice, though, that if if I love something enough, I'm willing to put up with giant plot holes. Like, I remember going to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which to me is like the best summer movie I have seen in three years, probably. Caesar is home. What? Yeah. <laughs> Caesar is home. Oh, they're getting smart. It made me cry throughout the whole thing. And there were so many plot holes in that movie. But I'm like, I don't care. Like, my mind is so all fun. drugged up by the awesomeness that it doesn't bother me. But I'll go see something in which I, you know, I don't like the movie. And the plot holes drive me crazy. Like, I just can't stand watching. It's, it's like Transformers it's, Dark it's, of the Moon. It's, sort of, right. like, it's yeah. sort of like dating someone who's slightly crazy. We're like, well... You know, they she she shoplifts, but I mean, (laughs) it's a fun. She's fun. You know, it's one thing that makes her human. She's so pretty, and then she just like shoplifts. I think with I think with the rise of the Planet of the Apes, the big one was like, where did ten thousand apes come from in San Francisco? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten thousand. Oh my God! And then Caesar. How old is Caesar supposed to be? And he's changing. And then they've been together for a long, long. It was just crazy. But it was still so much fun to watch that you don't really care. Oh my God! And I guess that's how you know like no <laughs> that's how you know if a movie is like really good is if you'll go all right fine i don't care I know. you know what and i just i really think like there's only been a couple times that i've over the past few years that i've walked out of like a movie especially these summer movies with like that high feeling that i had when i was a kid that was one of them the avengers was another sure i'm like oh man i just feel happy right now it's uh it's rare it's a real challenge too especially because you know people are People see everything all of the time now, and we're really the average person is becoming more and more like. Because I always thought film critics were the worst people to review movies. I'm like, because you see everything, yeah, and you see everything, and your job is to criticize everything. So you're constantly looking for what's shitty about things, 
And then people, you know, with the sort of with the the, the blogosphere rev- yeah. the, the, with the rev- revolution, na- and because of the availability of media at every turn, people are now in that position where you know, yeah. mo- more more than an average number of people are 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 not just casual. The internet has ruined movies. So. <laughs> I mean, it really has because it's just like any movie you see, you go home and you're going to look up, you know, who was that woman in it or who is this, and it's like. There's a million opinions that instantly come at you, and some of them sink in. And it's a basic negativity towards films in general. And, like, when I was a kid and I saw a movie, I'd go see a movie. If it was good, I remembered it, I loved it. If it was not, if it was okay or whatever, I just kind of forgot forgot it. It's impossible to forget any movie you've ever seen now because it's on the Internet all the time. And it's just, it's too much. I don't know. It's just too much. The Internet, I love the Internet. I spend way too much time on there. But also, I'm not sure it makes life better at all. It actually probably makes life a little worse. But I, I'm so I'm so much more forgiving now of of thing of projects when they don't, unless a movie is just flat out like start to finish, a, you know, a, a, an abomination. Um, I'm pretty forgiving because I feel like it's it is really hard to get a movie it's made. Hard, and not only is it hard to get a movie made, it's hard to navigate the, the studio system to make sure that it retains yeah. a level of quality. And then on top of that. You just have to have a lucky chemistry or, you know, if you're very experienced, you, you have the right team. But everyone at every turn has to be uh, all in sync. It is. Otherwise, very, yeah. it's pro- the projects. It's very, very hard to make a good movie. And a lot of people go out there and they put their hearts into something. They work their asses off. They have a lot of talent and the movie still doesn't come out good. And that is, yeah, that is something that you being around the movie business a lot, you see happen all the time. And then there's other movies that you see, and I can't help but be angry about, because there does seem to be a, a, a certain lack of concern in the overall film, you know, coming from the filmmakers. Or when I hear about a filmmaker who's been on set, a director who's just texting the whole time or playing his, you know, you know, his handheld, you know, computer or whatever and not paying attention or... You know, I had a friend who was a production designer on a big, huge movie, and um, he was building these giant sets, and he kept trying to get the director to come down and look at the sets before they were filming. The director's just lazy. He's making this, you know, $150 million movie. He didn't come to set. Finally, you know, he shows up on the day of to shoot in this headquarters that my friend had built. Sounds like Peter Berg. And it's not Peter Berg. (laughs) (laughs) It shows up in this headquarters that my friend had built. And he sees this elevator. He's like, I don't like that elevator. Can you take it out? He'd been trying to get him to come for weeks. And when Uh, I hear about it, that guy had directed like a lower budget movie that had done well. And then he got this big opportunity. And when I hear about a director like that, it just makes me sick to my stomach. Because there's so many people out there willing to put their hearts into something work their asses off and then this yahoo is doing that and yeah. it's difficult and so it, it, but the other thing is that a movie can fail a movie is it's like a there's a matrix that has to exist like a perfect matrix that has to exist and it, at any point it can fail yeah and then the entire project falls yeah. apart and it can be as simple as like the lighting was weird yeah or the, or the music was weird or the just the, the the cinematography, or just or the they got a weird note from the studio. Like there's so many things that yeah. can fuck it up. I think about it like you know with Super, it was when we cast Ellen Page in the role as Bolty, um, because we didn't pay those actors anything. They just got SAG minimum. Uh, Ellen Page didn't audition. <laughs> Right, And as we're leading up to the filming, I'm like, I really like Ellen. She's cool. I know she, you know, understands the role, 
but is she really going to be able to do it? I never have seen her do the role. And then we got on set, and it was like, oh, okay, so she gets it. It's going to work. You've nev- you'd never seen her rape a guy up to but that I point. Didn't, so yeah, you didn't no. she had never... No, I had seen her rape one oh, guy. Oh, okay, okay, But okay. that, besides that one time, <laughs> and that Bird. was a violent, <laughs> disgusting rape And that so time. You, you didn't know she'd be able to recreate it I, for I didn't film. know she'd be able to do it in a tender way, like right. how she rapes Rain Wilson in Super. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's more of a loving, forced on rape. Whereas the time when I had seen Ellen Page rape a dude in real life... <laughs> It was a child, first of all. No, no. Okay. I was so, so I'm going too far. It was so. It was so. <laughs> it was just. There was such a weird moment because you know Ellen Page just looks like a kid. Yeah. And then so when she comes out and says, "I'm all squishy down there," I was like, oh, "Gushy, gushy, gushy." Yeah, 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 I, I was yeah. like, "Oh, I can't." Oh, I see me watching. Oh, I, I had. So, I mean, we talked about this when you came on the podcast before, but that movie Super is one of those movies where you don't process the entire film when you're watching it, and it just. It just replays in your head, and you and it sticks with you for a while. Where you're yeah. like, oh, and then that, oh, and then that happened, and I, oh, like I, it's such a crazy emotional. I can't tell you the amount of emails I got from honest friends who saw Super for the first time, and they're like, oh my god, I saw Super a week ago, and I don't know if I liked it or not, but I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you think that's the mark of when you really is is that is that the mark of like that's a movie that you really love when you can't get it out that's of your a brain. movie that i really love like i don't know i mean i really think some movies like super are they're disturbing to some people you know it fits some people's brains well and other people's brains it doesn't fit well and that's what super was designed to do super was designed to be for some people not for everyone yeah so if it if it fits your brain that's great and if it doesn't that's great too some people's brain it more than doesn't fit well it actually makes them Stick to their stomach, but see, I think that's a good. I, I think that that philosophy is where is where people I think should be by and large with whatever they're creating now is you don't have to make something for everybody. But that's a problem with movies today. I mean, especially because there's so little content. I mean, what Universal's making eight years, eight movies this year. Paramount made nine last year. Uh, you know. Uh, Disney made three movies last year. We're talking about all these companies, these studios. Two of them were John Carter. Yeah, they used to make, (laughs) you know, 25, 30 movies a year. And now there are so so few films coming out that they're trying to appeal to everyone. And and some movies are, you know, vanilla tastes good when, if you like vanilla. And I do like vanilla. And so a movie like, for instance, Iron Man or... The, the Avengers, those movies really fit everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really fit almost everybody, and they work really well. But most movies like that, I don't like. I mean, those have superheroes in them, so I'm sure, of course. Like yeah. But most movies like that, I don't like. But it's almost financially impossible now to make a movie that only appeals to some people, you know? Well, unless, of course, you're... I mean, I, I, I would love to... I'm kind of interested to see, like, what the whole... Like, how the business has broken out into strata and... You know, just the kind of like the Netflix model of like, we'll just make this kind of nichier movie, but just, you know, for this distribution model rather than having to, you know, And I think that works really well for TV. But when you're talking about making a movie that costs more than a million or two million dollars, it's almost impossible to make money that way. Because, you know, a really huge VOD movie makes, you know, four or five million dollars at the most. 
So it's 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 really hard. You know, that's why but that's why all the cool stuff today is happening with TV as far as I'm concerned. I mean, television is so different now and you do get individual voices out there in TV more than you do in movies. Something that people would have thought was crazy to hear 15 years ago. But you have all these amazing TV shows on the air and for an audience member it's working better because the risk reward ratio is much different. You, 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 as an as a consumer, you can watch a movie and waste two hours of your life because it sucks. Or if it's good, then you've got two good hours of whatever you're watching. On a TV show, you watch the first couple episodes. If it sucks, you've lost two hours. But if it's good, then you can download maybe 30, 40 hours of yeah. the same show and you have all this pleasure in front of you. Yeah. And I know I've gotten sucked into it. I watch mostly TV now. I didn't have a TV for like 10 years when I, you know, first lived in LA, when I lived in New York City and went to grad school. I didn't have a TV. Um, but now it's what I watch. I watch Spartacus. I watch Game of Thrones. I watch Walking Dead. I watch Breaking Bad. But I actually have problems with the, the aspect ratio on my on DirecTV where I live with AMC as well, which is strange. So I have to watch like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead in this like weird stretched out aspect ratio that I just tried fixing on my computer and talked to the people at DirecTV. By the way, this is the the greatest thing about having a large Twitter following. I'm, I know I'm jumping around. For no, no, it's fine. Time. It's like, it's it's like it's like having an information genie. <laughs> it's like it, well, no, that's no, an information have, where you can you ask have access. anything. You have access. But anytime a company pisses me off, and I and it's I such a dangerous I say road. something about it. Yeah, they like contact me immediately. I know. I I I got I, my iPad back from Virgin America. Thanks to Twitter. I I I just I I figured that out by accident a couple of years ago. It's like it's right when my Twitter feed was kind of blowing up, and I think I had like I don't know fifty thousand followers or something. Right. And uh, I took I just took a guitar to the Guitar Center to get repaired, and they lost it. And oh then they God. weren't they weren't calling me back or whatever. So I just made some sort of a comment on there, you know, about like, hey, if you want to if you want your guitar to get lost, take it to Guitar Center. And within five minutes. I get an email and someone's like, hey, you know, I'm director of digital yeah, for guitar yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. Saw your tweet. What's going on? They fucking found that guitar, repaired it, gave it to me free of charge uh, within a day. Yeah. And it's but it's a very dangerous because you don't wanna it, it really like I really do hear Uncle Ben in my head going, There's a great responsibility. You can't rush to the internet every time you're mad and complain. Well, but it's not every time. No, I know, mad. but it's just occasional. But don't but you can't tell me that you don't feel a little like even if it's just like, oh, this dry cleaner overcharged me. I'm going to fucking ruin it. And then you have to yeah. go, okay, now you're just being a well, douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't really. I, I, I've, I've only done it a few times. But it One was. of the times was with DirecTV. I got mad at them for not somebody not showing up or something. And I tweeted about it. And they contacted me right away and took care of me. And also, I, I got to say, <laughs> DirecTV, for the most part, besides that one thing, I, I've, liked the comp- I've liked the company. I mean, they're, they're, they have good people on the phones and all that stuff. So I'm not bitching about DirecTV, but you know it does help to have the large Twitter. It's following. hard, especially yeah, it's hard. I, I I had I had a row for a while with uh, with Time Warner because they were my internet service, oh. and like my internet for a period of time was just dropping out every day, Ugh, and something something was going on, and I couldn't. You'd call them, and they'd go, uh, "Okay, we can have a technician out there next when, Friday." When? When did this happen to you? Oh, this, um, the last time it happened was about six or seven months ago. Uh, and then 
but what they ended up, you know, what ended up happening was that there was a there was a bad something in the connection point up on the pole. And of course, from the you know when they sent the technician out the first time, he didn't climb the pole and or whatever. But but the point is, like when you call for customer service and the, and they go, okay, we'll send someone out in a week and a half, and you're like, my job depends on yeah, me having on internet. internet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to explain. My that. My happiness <laughs> depends on looking at and porn. Then, and then yeah, exactly. If I can't go on to you to RedTube, and then and then of <laughs> course RedTube. What are you amateur hour? Come and on. then you, why? What's the FAPDU? What? F-A-P-D-U. I've never heard Kevin of that. Kevin Pereira taught me that one. Okay. Really? It's a, con- it's a congregate. It searches everything. <laughs> <laughs> you ever need it in airport? What's your you thing, talk Matt? To Kevin What's your, what do you, what what do you do I normally like? like? Tits. Cheerleaders? Tits. You yeah. look up tits. When you go to look up porn, you put tits in as a search No, no, term? no, no, no. I'll, uh, you know, busty, and then you can fill in any noun you'd like. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't like, I don't like busty. No? no. What do you go for? I think of you people as mama's boys. Maybe I am. I, I kind of think maybe like, I should call my mom. I haven't talked to her. When you're more mom. sophisticated, oh, this you took like, a nice turn. <laughs> you like smaller tits, and except for at a certain point, once they get so small, then you become a pervert. Right. <laughs> that's what. That's <laughs> what it's on. It can exist on a continuum. <laughs> no, I mean, I just you know, I don't know. I so I do you just amateur do, porn? Do, do, oh, do, amateur oh, porn. Oh, so, so, you, so you probably going? Do you, do you go to Gone Wild on Reddit? No, that's the subreddit where people just take amateur. No, I never, I never go on there. I, there I always go. go on the You're main welcome. page of Reddit. Well, That's Gone Wild is the subreddit that we're and and then Lady Boners is the male equivalent on the other end. I think okay. I'm the only person that feels guilty if I don't pay for my porn because it is. But you know why? Because you're an artist who relies on commerce to. I would pay for my porn more often if they didn't call me every time to find out if my credit card had been stolen. Really? Yeah. Like whenever oh. I had done that, like when I was eighteen or nineteen, I, yeah, that's never happened to me. So I think well, you're, okay you're probably buying weird yeah. stuff that I'm not. <laughs> you're going out to those weird trucks, those, those converted gas stations. Yeah, I mean, it's like the porn business. I mean, we think you know the music business has been hurt. The porn business has hurt more than anything. I mean, like those people. Are, and I have a lot of friends because I did PG porn, so I have all these friends who are like porn stars in the porn business. People like Belladonna and Sasha Gray, and those people, like the amount of money they make compared to what they used to make is like nothing. Yeah. And it's because everyone thinks it's okay to steal porn. Everybody. And the government, who has some interest in like protecting filmmakers and you know other people who you know are considered legitimate artists. Um, they, they, you know, that they're willing to help, but they do nothing to help the porn industry because of the sort of the moral attachment in their minds that they feel like, oh, these people are trash and we don't have to help them. And it sucks because the, the, the porn industry almost single-handedly drove innovation just in terms of, you know, uh, just in terms of, uh, of, of broadband in terms of like, uh, Blu-ray and in terms, you know, like, like it's going to help robots, all these four. (laughs) I can't wait. <laughs> it's already helping robots. <laughs> but I always, I really, you know, again, to just back to the earlier point about, uh, I, I do feel like a douchebag though when I get really cranky when I don't have internet. Like I don't have internet, and some part of me knows, like, well, this is a first world problem. But the other part of me does feel like, yeah, but this is how we exist now. When like I moved. This- I didn't have internet for seventeen days. When I moved in February, yeah, and I figured out thanks to I have my emergency porn on my computer. Oh, I you're talking about I porn am, now. I am ready. <laughs> I am ready for my internet to go out. I can jerk off. So no in a, problem. In, in a porn apocalypse, earthquake, no good. What I about? Do you ever prepared. go? Do you ever go pornless? Do you ever jerk off pornless? 
No. What's the need in that? Oh, see, I don't know. I got a pretty good imagination. I can imagine. I can. <laughs> you know, of, James is a director and a writer. Sick shit. Sure. Yeah. 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 No. I mean. <laughs> I just, uh, I just, feel, I just feel bad. I just imagine people being like, "Oh, so you couldn't get online for a couple of days?" But then I really do feel like, "But this, is, but it's my job. Like, it's my job. It, it, like, I can't work if I'm if I'm disconnected." Yeah, don't you use your iPhone though? To some degree, but then you know what happened was I went on a road trip uh, uh, for for a couple of weeks, and you know we complain about service in our city, uh, but. Like oh I didn't I couldn't get service on Highland between, but there is not service in large portions of America right. where you just get out on the open road. Well, there also aren't people. No, this is true. But you're so used to feeling connected at all times, and then you do kind of go back to that place where you go, oh yeah, if my car broke down or I went off the road, uh, no one would find me. Yeah. If someone didn't just happen by and kind of look in this direction because there's no service within miles. I don't places like that. You don't try to? <laughs> <laughs> Not to those types of places. Stays in metropolitan areas. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, the internet's, the, you know, but I, the, this first world problems thing, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's for, we live in the first, <laughs> we live in the first world, so we're going to have first world problems. I mean, everybody in life has dumb problems that aren't the biggest problems in the world sure and as long as you aren't excessively whiny to you know to complain or state that you're having a problem with something is not the biggest deal in the world i blew up on (laughs) i lose my temper all the time on twitter but like i lost my temper on twitter a couple of weeks ago because i said something you know and and now now i'm gonna i'm gonna sound so spoiled (laughs) but i have a lot of clothes Mm -hmm. and i buy a lot of nice clothes and uh, and I buy a lot of T-shirts, and I like them to fit me the way they fit me, so I don't wash them on hot, mm-hmm. okay? Right. Because then they shrink. This is already going to be good. I took all my best clothes, all my jeans, all my T-shirts, everything I love the most, which is going to be, and now here's where the spoil come, part comes in, it's thousands of dollars worth of clothes, right? I put them all in the washing machine and am not thinking and just wash them because... Oh. Here comes another first world thing because my maid had let it left it on that setting. You pussy. <laughs> that said, at the end of all that, what happens is every article of clothing I love, not because it's expensive, but because I love it. Sure. And it's, I've worn them to special places and I have attachment and I think I look good in these clothes. Every article of clothing I love shrunk. Now, that's a weird sort of a uh, that's a weird <laughs> like a Sex in the City nightmare, like oh my clothes shrunk, and then yeah. and then some people might go, oh what an idiot. But then if you really did that to anyone, they would be fucking I, bummed. I, yeah, yeah, I have to walk around looking like a poor version of the Hulk. <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, I had another I had another blow up last night. You guys <laughs> woke up in a zoo. And so I said something about losing all my clothes online, and I got so many of this you know hashtag first world problems responses that I wanted to punch someone in the face because here I am bummed out that I lost all my clothes and people are telling me it's not a problem. And I, I, I lashed out a little bit. I well, yeah, because you know that all of those people who are pointing their finger, like I said, they would have been bummed in the of same course. situation. It doesn't matter if you, like, even though there's all this first worldness surrounding it because of the expensive clothes and the maid and the this and the that, it still comes down to it doesn't matter if you're in Africa. If you have all your favorite clothes ruined in one fell swoop, you're going to be bummed out. Not that all Africans are poor. 
<laughs> you know, poor Africans. <laughs> not the not the rich one. Yeah, not the rich fifteen Africans. <laughs> that's what. That's, yeah. Well, I I. Uh, I, 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 that would be a tough one for me because I would be bummed about that too, but I would be afraid to say anything about it. Oh, I say everything. I don't care. You don't care? Now, you know, people, I, you know, I found on online and I'm fighting with people on the Facebook, on Facebook, on the Facebook. On the Facebook? No, he dropped I, the the. Hang I on, fight Dad. with people on Facebook all the time. You know, I have, you know, you know, I, I posted some stuff about these anti-vaccination whack jobs on there and yeah. all these different things. And I get in fights all the time. And at first I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I don't, I shouldn't fight with people online. And then I realized that everyone loved, they love going to my Facebook feed and seeing me fight with people. Like it's fun for them. So... <laughs> I'm saying, what the hell? It'll hang out, and I'll fight with people. Yeah, I, 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 I take it all too personally. Unfortunately, it's hard for me. It's very hard for me to not internalize stuff and be like, why is this person attacking me for something that's oh, so yeah. stupid? Oh, I, I take it personally. I just think that people are amused when I take things personally. So why not, you know, let my hurt feelings result in someone else's pleasure? I just feel bad because I know that if it's so hard for me to, because it's just going to exist in the stream. Like some guy said, uh, some guy said something the other day. It was so. It was like, you know, if you want to listen to a good example of a broadcaster, listen to Howard Stern. If you want to hear the worst broadcaster ever, listen to Nerdist. <laughs> and I want to say, like, you know what? I, I'm sorry, I said that. Too. That was not nice. That's why. Is that, you is on that here. what this is all that about? Have, I brought you on here. That might have been both of us. Actually. You, know <laughs> you know what's crazy about it is okay. that, like, listen, if you're a hardcore Stern fan. There's a good chance you might not like what I do. I mean, I'm sure there's some crossover. I'm both. There is. I'm here. There's crossover. <laughs> but this guy is fully entitled to his opinion. And for some reason, I let it hurt my feelings because I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, and I yeah. couldn't just let it go. So I was like, well, you well, can't control what hurts your feelings. It either hurts your feelings or it doesn't. But it's you You can't. You just can't fight with the Internet. It is like trying to kick the wind. Oh, yeah. And plus, that's people's whole point for existence is to, you know, you know be in their mother's basement and yeah. write mean shit about people online. I just... Uh, I, I guess for me, I just, I just, I just feel like, well, why would you go out of your way to tag me in that? You obviously, that's it's, the, it's, it's, that's what I really, it's not that they have their opinion. It's that they went out of their way to hurt my feelings. Ex that's, that is what gets on my nerves too. Like you if, if they said, if they said, if they didn't say at Nerdist and they just said Nerdist, <laughs> seriously, it makes it yeah. way better. Like that's just somebody sharing some of one of their opinions with their friends. But when they put your name on it. Then it's a different situation. Because they want you to see yeah, that they th think I do you agree. suck. Yeah. Those people should die. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. Those people, like, I, if I had a button and I could push, I could kill all child molesters and those guys all in one fell swoop, I would, I would, I would consider so it. So that one button covers a lot. Yeah, a lot of bad people. That a lot of a crossover, too. That is, there's a lot, lot, of, lot yeah, of crossover. Yeah, I one. would say anyone that does that <laughs> has probably at some point molested a child. Or at least thought about it. I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> yeah. There, There is probably some sort of a weird, like, unseen data point where all the people who do this do this other seemingly unrelated. There's probably some kind of weird Freakonomics behind. Because it is, it's it's a very interesting. They all like really huge breasted women like Matt. Like oh, Matt. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, of course. It's a no, mother no, thing, no. I guess. They like children. We've already established that. <laughs> they like children. We've already established that. Yeah, I don't get that. What's what's somebody's need to do that? I, Rain Wilson gets that. You know, Rain Wilson has so many followers. So, But it's like, you know, I used to sometimes talk about what kind of feedback he gets on his Twitter. And he gets like lots of mean shit said to him. Really? Yeah, I used strangely do not 
I, I used to get tons of mean shit yeah. on my website, like back in the Dawn of the Dead days when people freaked out that this classic was being remade. But today, I really don't. My it, my percentage of negative stuff is very very small. I think because in the beginning, it's the, your fan. Like those the, people fall away. And the then. things that get uh, people that get me upset are somebody who's trying to be funny. But they get on my nerves, like the first world problems. People. Oh, right. Or if somebody's arguing with me about something like the anti-vaccination people or the creationists or these other things that I like to comment on. Yeah. So it, it's like those things will get me upset. But for the most part, I don't get too many negative comments. That's good. Yeah. I, I think it's like I said, after a period of time, the people who like you stick with you and the people who don't like you will comment and then go away. Yeah, I, I mean, what what's your you probably get a very small percentage of negative comments, right? It's. It's not a, it's a small percent. It is a small percentage because I think right. at this point, you know, the people who hate me went away. I do, there are a couple people that continue to say stuff, and I'm just like, you know, why Why would you continue to watch or listen to me if you clearly... That's what the block button's for. Don't like... Oh, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, had, I've, to, I've had to use it a I've couple... I've people. had to use it. Yeah. I've had to use it. I've had to use it. Weirdly it, satisfactory when it, Oh, it feels so good. Like, I love it on Facebook. Even gone. more. It's more fun. But I will <laughs> unfriend people. That's even better. Because yeah. then they're not... Then they're subscribed to my feed, and they, but they're not my friend. Meow. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, you know, one of the, the interesting things is supposedly it takes 14 compliments... To make up for every bad thing somebody says to you. Oh, is that the yeah. Is that the the, the and, mental and then metric? things become neutral, and so and then the fifteenth compliment, then you're a little bit you feel okay, and that's you know. So if you do, I know for me when I do get a negative, I don't respond to many things on Twitter. I respond to a lot of shit on Facebook. But when somebody says something negative, that is a time when I'm like, hey, wait a second, and I want to respond. And I think it's so unfair to all of the. People that are, you know, asking Supporting me questions you. or saying nice things yeah. that I don't respond but there, to, but I think, that I want to respond to the dick. But there's a certain degree because of because of what we do, and because you know you run you run productions and you direct and you produce and you write and I run a small thing and I oversee stuff and we're so in the mode of putting out fires all the time that I think that's part of that mechanism that is, is having to like right. that thing's broken. I have to go fix that thing because when things are running smoothly. You know, unfortunately, it you don't always go around and take the time and shake everyone's hand and go, thank you for letting this run smoothly. That you just go, okay, everything's fine over there. I just have yeah. to fix the problem. I would say that that although, however, that is something like when you direct a movie, I feel like you also have to be wary of that same thing because once a, because there's one thing you realize when you're making a movie with you know, a hundred and however many people working beneath you and so many working parts that there are always fires to be put out. Mm -hmm. So you need to become you need to become aware that those problems are always there. They always exist and exist with them comfortably so that you can still focus on what's most important to the production, which is like the positive act of doing something creative outside of that and not become involved in just constantly putting out fires because then you've got a movie that isn't what you want it to be, if that right. makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense because the, yeah, because if you're always if you're always putting it yeah, exactly. You you still need to be able you have the have the awareness and the energy to carry out the vision of the thing yeah rather than going in and screwing in all the yeah. all the nuts and bolts all the time and then you lose sight of the overall picture yeah, it's, I think everything is like that it's like I've been in <laughs> I've been in therapy for however many years and I can always focus on like what's negative in me and try to fix something negative but in the end of the day that becomes an almost negative way of living if I focus on some of the positive attributes of myself and try to strengthen those positive attributes a little bit 
that actually is just as beneficial or not if not more beneficial. Well, that's the way that's that's ultimately the way to do it. I mean, you can you can look at any situation and because your brain only has the ability to focus on one thing at a time, you can see whatever you want out of that situation. Yeah. And it can be something funny or it can be something negative or it could be something positive or it could be something constructive. Every situation is it, it basically, it's almost like a choice that we're given. Okay, here's a situation. How do you want to see that situation? Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of us will see the negative in that situation first. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of, you know, uh, being an entertainer of any sort, most of us, <laughs> most of us, almost all of us, have this deep need to be loved and accepted and liked. You know, that's one of the reasons why we want to entertain people. Sure. And so when somebody tells us, something negative, we're getting the exact opposite of what we're sort of secretly looking for. And, you know, that's one of the weird things about any type of fame or celebrity or being in the spotlight is that you realize that when you are in the spotlight, you're suddenly really vulnerable. And a lot of people are saying negative things to you. And that comes with the job. That's a part of it. And I know for me, it took me a long time to like, be like, hey, you know, that's, you know, especially when you do what I do, which is like make movies that are not are kind of fucked up. They're kind of different. They're kind of violent. They're sex. I do stuff with. It's just like it's not. I'm an antagonist in certain ways. Yeah. And um, and it's it's something that you need to get used to because I like anybody else. I was a little kid who just wanted people to like me. Yeah. And then also, uh, uh, I think there's a certain element of uh, I don't know. I. I when you're given when you're given a situation and you have whatever choice you want to make, especially if you're starting to get successful, were you raised Catholic? Yeah, me too. And I think there's something about the Catholic message when you're growing up of like, of you know, don't ever hold your head too high. You should yeah. always feel a little bad because you know, yeah. at the core of it, man shamed God, and you right. should never. We're bad at the core yeah, because of original don't, sin. Don't yes. don't place yeah, yourself yes. up on this pedestal. And so I think a lot of us seek out negativity or we're very self-deprecating because we're, we're, it's sort of like, no, 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 I'm not special. I'm not special. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. Because I think in, in, a, in, a, in a subtle or maybe not so subtle way, because of, because of the way that, that you know, we were brought up that way, I mean, I went to Catholic school well, and yeah, you know, I, I was mean, an altar boy. And, you know, well, and, I think that's one of the things is that we're coming... <laughs> <laughs> this is like a crazy conversation. But anyway, we're coming from, a, I mean, because we're we're raised Catholic and where we're told we're pieces of shit, we're constantly <laughs> trying to prove to everyone that we're not pieces of shit. But our basic belief is that we're pieces of shit. So when somebody says something negative to me on Twitter, it touches I'm like, a nerve. Oh, he knows that motherfucker. I got to get on here and prove to him and myself that I'm not a piece of shit because I'm jerk off 14 year old that lives in Idaho wrote something negative about my movie that says you're instead of Y-O-U-R-E. You know, I mean, it's just like, uh, I better really take his opinion to heart. <laughs> I know. Because the landscape of his life is probably great. Yeah. And he knows what he's talking about better than I do because, yes, again, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. And the, even the people that are saying negative shit about us, it's like something they're throwing. not like we're, I'm, there's a couple of people who seem to be, hating me seems to be the center of their lives, you know? Right. There's one guy that's posted like 6,000 comments or something about me and Kevin Smith only. On IMDb about how we suck. 
<laughs> and and I think he's you know he's, there's another guy who used to be on Wikipedia that every time somebody changed something on Wikipedia that guy was in there instantly changing it back to something negative. Yeah, you know there's a couple of people like that. Those people drive me crazy. But I just had to you know I, I the result is don't go on Wikipedia, don't go on IMDb. I just don't do it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, most people that are criticizing me, it's a momentary thought that they have. That's not a big deal. And then it's gone. And then I'm taking it to heart. But, you know, I say shit off the cuff all the time. Of course. And it's, and it's very easy. And we, I'm sure, are guilty of this as well. Uh, I know. I mean, I know I am for sure. It's easy to forget that people that you see two-dimensionally are actually human beings. Oh, yeah. And so it's very easy for you to talk right. shit and go, well, that person's, a dumb, that person's dumb and they did this and they suck because of that. Ugh. And then you forget, because you, you, it's, you, it's easy to forget, like, no, that's, that's a person yeah. and they have feelings and they're like you and they're in this sort of weird situation that you really can't quite understand. Yeah, I, I do it too. I mean, I, I do it and I feel bad because I'll make a joke about a celebrity. I can't tell you the amount of times this has happened almost eerily where I'll make a joke about a celebrity that's kind of mean, sometimes more than one joke, because it's funny, you yeah. know, and I think it's funny. And so then a few days later, I meet that person at a party and have my picture taken with them, and then it's on Twitter, and then everybody knows that I said this thing, and I have to go back and delete it. And it's like, <laughs> there's perfectly nice, sweet people that I didn't really have anything against in the first You're place. You're just trying to be a fun, Other than yeah. trying to be funny, yeah. yeah. And uh, and that's the worst, you And know? We, we annoy ourselves by, I mean, the thi- and the thing that I say to people sometimes on Twitter is if they say something shitty, then I'll, I'll respond to them and go, hey, you know, that was kind of rude. And they'll go, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know. And then I always. Really? Is that always, what you, yeah, it happens like, oh, a lot. Oh, that's kind of rude. Yeah, I do. Wow. Yeah. I do because because if you come at them, if you attack. So earnest. Then they're just going to be ready to attack back. And so oh, but, I try to show them the humanity of But they what, hurt. They hurt my feelings. I want to hurt their feelings in return. I know that's. The, <laughs> I, I believe me. I understand that urge. But honestly, if you want to be treated humanly, you have to approach them humanly. And I agree. And so I just, uh, you know, and a lot of times they'll write back and go, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I was just having a bad day." And I usually respond and go, "It's nothing. I haven't done a million times wow. myself. I completely understand. It was just a, you know, off the cuff thing." And so, you know, I can't. I can't judge people for doing shitty things sometimes. I can. If I, you know, when I've done it too. See, Chris, you're a person who thinks you're a piece of shit, but you're actually a really nice guy. <laughs> no, I'm a piece My of shit. My problem is, I think I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> I think I'm right. <laughs> I look at what all the shit I do in life and I go, no, I think it kind of matches with my basic belief about myself. I'm not a great guy. I'm a pretty mean person. I don't know if pieces of shit really are aware that they're pieces of shit, though. And maybe that's the really? key molecular element of a piece of shit is that it, it lacks the self-awareness to know that it's a piece of shit. I don't know. You Does, think? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Does an actual piece of shit... An actual... <laughs> well, I think an actual piece of shit is like a sociopath. Those are the people that are the worst. And right. they don't... They, they think they're entitled to everything. So that's part of the... And there, there's no there's no like connection for them to any other part of the they world. They have no compassion for people other than themselves. Yeah. Not even animals. But does that make them a piece of shit or does that just make them... They're just wired in a way... Like, that's where you start getting into the philosophical... Like... Do they, if they don't know what they're doing is wrong, are they actually a piece of shit, or are they just are their values just aligned differently? I have a hard time with this topic because I my belief is is that the core 
there are evil people in this sure. world. And I, and I say I'm a piece of shit. I really don't think I am. I, th- I think I'm okay, and I do a lot of bad things. I do a lot of good things. But basically, I love people. I care about people. I want to make the world a better place. But I think that there are people out there. When I hear about some of the stuff, I have a friend who was molested as a child in a really awful way by, like, th- those types of people, child porn people. Yeah. You know, it's just like... It's evil. There's evil out there. That's evil, yeah. You know? And I, yeah, you could say it's the way they're wired or whatever. I don't give a shit. They're evil, and I want to kill them. Well, especially because, you know, people like that know that they have to operate below the law. And if you have that level of awareness to know that you have to operate at a certain level so you don't get caught because you know that yeah. everyone else will perceive what you're doing is wrong, yeah. uh, then 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 there is there is a piece of shit element. I mean, yeah. You know, you've got to know some pieces of shit. Sure. Some have been on the show before. <laughs> nope, everyone's been amazing <laughs> who's kidding, been on the show. Come Although, on, you bad-ass. I met this who, one who's kid. Who's your least favorite guest ever, Chris? I met this one kid named Michael Rosenbaum who... <laughs> In a parking lot once. Um, you know what's funny is I've, I I and I don't know if anyone you don't have to believe people don't have to believe this or not. I've never had someone on the show where I I, I left and I was like that person was an asshole. Like everyone has been not a, even Tom Green. Not even Tom Green. Really? Tom Green came in. I wasn't at that one, so I don't know. I nope. just heard from Twitter. No, nope, that was that was Twitter. Tom Green came in uh, defensive and doing bits probably because. A guy like that is used to being attacked right. by people, and he's used to doing radio. He was not that familiar with our show. And when people are used to doing radio and dealing with kind of like, you know, your run-of-the-mill morning radio personalities where they're constantly digging and taking shots and you kind of have to be on the defensive all the time, they just don't, they don't know what they're getting into. And so for the first 10 minutes of that podcast, he was defensive and he was deflecting, like, you know, sincere conversation and m- cracking jokes. But then when he kind of figured out, like, Okay, we're really just going to talk, and no one's attacking anybody. He totally relaxed. Okay, but outside of being pieces of shit, aren't there people that you've interviewed in here who have come in and you're like, I kind of dislike that person. I have like when I do meetings with with executives and stuff, about one out of every five guys, I'm like, don't like them. Like, just don't like them. No, I, I honestly, I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, the first, oh, I don't know, maybe year, year and a half of the podcast. Uh, I was bringing on people that I knew or people that I met through friends. And if they were friends of friends, they were pretty cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I, I can, I can say I have not had anyone come on where I was like, ah, fuck that person. I really, I really honestly haven't. Wow. Everyone's been, everyone's been really cool. And most people leave where they're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be so fun and relaxed. And this yeah. was actually kind of a fun, kind I of a fun that, experience. You know, when I think about it, when I think about all the actors I've worked with over the years, there's only been, you know, a couple that I haven't liked. Because, you know, because the other thing is that because I handpick everyone. That's so what, it's not yeah, like I work for a company that's saying, like, you have to have this person on. And inside, I feel like they don't really gel with what we're doing. Yeah. Like, I, there's a sphere of people. And I... I decide like, oh, I think that person would be. I kind of, I think what they do is cool, and they're right. right for the show. Like you wouldn't invite Bob Geldof on because he's a dick, <laughs> or Perry King. I would not. Those are people I hate. <laughs> like. <clears throat> I'm always like I've almost I've liked almost everybody that I've worked with or run into celebrity wise. I've had a few people I've worked with a little bit that I I haven't liked so much, but not enough to ever talk shit about. I mean, them. the truth of the matter and is, and occasionally there's that Bob Geldof or. Perry King, who you run across, <laughs> real jerks. I mean, there, I'm sure there are those people in the world, but but I think we put a pretty positive, comfortable vibe out, and right. so you know, 
people have been pretty. They're going to be nice. Too. People are people have been pretty nice. Yeah, and I mean, because we don't, there aren't really any ulterior motives on this show other than just like, hey, I'm just want to talk. Yeah, I just want to talk about stuff and see what you like and hang out for a bit. You know, uh, it's not. This is not like a hard hitting. It's not like a hard hitting show. Really, you got me to admit that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I masturbate. We, <laughs> I pay for my porn. <laughs> and and, and got me to admit I just searched for the term busty. Yeah, yep. And I think Matt's a lowbrow. And, and, we, and we use the internet as a tool to satisfy our spoiled desires. Yeah. <laughs> we, but we both admitted yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, yeah. For the most part, you know, everyone's everyone's. I've been I've been pretty lucky that way because you know what's fun about having your show is if someone's a dick you can just be like well fuck you like I, you know like yeah. i don't i don't have to answer to anybody so it doesn't really matter to you know like there's no I, it's not like oh the company's making me right really want to why was bob geldoff a dick to you uh bob geldoff was at uh, a screening we did a screening for scooby-doo uh two in in england um, we had the premiere there, actually. And so I was there along with Matt Lillard and Linda Cardellini and Seth Green and the whole Sarah Michelle Geller, the whole gang. We're all there. And we had... No one ever this, says Freddie Prince. We had this here. big theater. <laughs> Freddie wasn't there. <laughs> um, we had this big theater with a, different theaters taken out um, with different groups of people. And so, you know, we would run around from room to room to introduce the movie. And... I think Bob Geldof was in the second theater we got to. When we get in there, Matt Lillard, who if you've ever met... It's like the fucking sweetest guy in the world. the nicest guy in the world. He's great. He's And he's an amazing actor, too. I, I saw him both in a play this year and in, uh, in what do you call it, the, the uh, About Schmidt guys movie, the... Uh, What's the, about Schmidt the, too? The, getting the George Clooney movie. Oh, The Descendants. The Descendants, and he's he's like amazing in both those things. And Alexander just, Payne. Alexander Payne. Anyway, whatever. Matt Lillard is the nicest guy in the world. He gets up there. He's ready to introduce the movie. And um, Bob Geldof is sitting there with his daughter at the time, who was younger. I guess I guess it was Peter's. His daughter at the time. I like that, yeah. I, know, well, I mean, his daughter. Who was, yeah, he was with his, at the time. Because, he was with his I guess he was a kid at the time, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Peaches. I don't know. But anyway, and he starts going, start the fucking movie. Ooh. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my and God. And start the fucking movie. And you... Probably had to be held back to not jump and uh, kick him in the face. Listen, here, here, like, here's the thing. Like, I get, I, I have a very bad temper. My pair of King story, I almost did get into a fight with. But like, uh, but I, but it was like, it was just so improper. There were so many children there. I mean, Scooby Doo too, for Christ's it sake. It was chill. The, the movie theater was half children. Yeah, that was the thing. It was like, so I wasn't gonna get angry and get into a fight with somebody in front of a bunch of kids. You know, the biggest kid was Bob Geldof. Yeah, yeah. Matt Lillard is such a normal, sweet, I fucking love that guy. He is a nice guy. I love that. I got to work on the Scooby-Doo cartoon Oh, where I think two times I got to With be... With Linda also. Linda was... N- no, Mindy Cohn played uh, oh, Velma okay. in okay. the cartoon. Because I think Linda's playing her now on the cartoon. Oh, she I is. I believe so, yeah. Linda, also super sweet. Seth, amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know Sarah Michelle Gellar, but I've heard she's a delight as well. Uh, so I just... Uh, should I cut that part out? Um, no. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you filmed? <laughs> no. <laughs> you can see someone's face. 
we're talking about anyway, people. Perry King, but Perry me in line. Time there was a anyway. Um, what's your Perry King story? <laughs> oh. oh. Um, this is so stupid now. Uh, Perry King, I was going to a party and I'm standing in line to get into the party. It was a trauma party, so you know, it was all people I knew. If, if there's big wigs at a trauma party, it's it's me. Stan Lee was right behind me in line, and Perry King comes up and butts in front of me and Stan Lee <laughs> with his bimbo looking girlfriend. And uh, and I hate line butters. That's why the guy gets revenge on them in Super. Oh, with a... F- <laughs> I hate line butters. And he butt in front of me in line, and I'm like, hey, dude, you know, seriously, there's a big line here, so could you go over to the back of the line? And we got into... We had to be held back by our girlfriends from getting into a fist fight, which is good because Perry King's not a little guy. I might have lost that fight. Yeah, but it's funny, like, that you shouldn't be able to defend the position of, I'm going to cut in front of all these yeah. people. And you, sh- you should just go, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, I tried a thing, I'll go in the back. Again, it's Perry King butting in front of Stan Lee. I don't, you know, he thought he was so special and important that he got to butt in front of line. And let's also say, this wasn't a line of like 50 people. This was a line of like 10 people or something just right. going into the party one after the other. What did Stan do the whole time? No, nothing. He's, he's you know. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, he's back behind me saying, enough said, after everything I said. Perry, I'll rip your goddamn lungs out, you pussy. Stan, what are you doing? Yeah, and then Stan Lee grabbed Perry King's balls and squished them like Gene Hackman did to Michael Rooker. Yes! In uh, uh, Mississippi Burning. It was so awesome. That's a new version of the story. I call this the Mississippi Burning. Crack. Right, right in the Rookers. Right in the Hackmans. Uh, Lollipop Chainsaw yep. is coming out uh, June, what did you say, June 12th? It comes out June 12th in the United States and June 15th throughout the rest of the world. And actually, June 12th, I think, in all of North America, and then uh, June 15th in the rest of the world. And it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think that there's a lot of, you know, the one great thing about Lollipop Chainsaw, and I think there's a lot of great things about him, is it's, I really, really believe that it's funny throughout the whole thing. I took a lot of time in trying to make the, the, the game funny, yeah. and I just don't think that exists. I just don't know of another game that is funny to me throughout. And, uh, Except for Portal. <laughs> Did you play Portal? Uh, no, I actually You've never played. Gotta Portal. play really Portal. To, yeah, you have to play Portal so you can get to Portal Two because Portal Two, what, yeah. Portal Two is exactly what you're describing, just funny. in terms of like it's a genuinely okay, so funny the, thing. The second funniest. No, no, <laughs> the second funny game. I'm just well, saying. I'm saying the there's Simpsons game for the Xbox 360 was very. Well, I know, funny. but 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 the thing is, making a movie. There are other games that are funny, but to make a, a game that's funny and the gameplay is awesome is different. And Portal, I know, is, is yeah. Uh, well, Leisure I'm, Suit Larry. I'm super excited. <laughs> That's right. Oh. That's what I thought of. oh my god! I I played Leisure Suit Larry on like a two eighty six. Yeah. In the you know ninety one or two, I think. Uh, yeah, I played it on my calculator watch. It was uh, Le- <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry. What else did I played? King's Quest was another game. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. played. Uh, our computer had a turbo function where you could jump it up to twenty two megahertz. Wow. It was an ele- It was eleven, but then you could kick a turbo function, and then when you played King's Quest. You just watch him walk faster. Yeah. Like on the 22, you'd bump it up, and then he just walked really fast. 
By the way, I haven't had any. I started playing Diablo three on the MacBook Air. No problems. Oh wow! I'm no problem. Have you ever used the Nintendo emulator on your computers? No, I, no. no, just the Here's Atari the fun one. Thing you can do with that is uh, the emulator will clock the speed down, so you're it's like you're using a Nintendo processor. Wow! But you can turn that off and use the computer's processing power to play the 8-bit Nintendo game. Oh my God! Boom! Super it's fast. like a rocket. Like yeah. you can just hit the button and Mario just goes. Wow. It's fascinating. That's fun. It's kind of wow. cool to see. That's really and fun. And it's very hard to play Punch-Out like that. Yeah, you know, the weird thing about video, I don't have any, I played all those games as a kid. I don't have any interest in playing, you know, like yeah. when the, you know, people started playing those old Atari games and stuff. There's and a certain nostalgia factor that's no, fun. I'm, but I'm then, bored by them. Except for Tetris. But then yeah, you're, that's true. But then you're like, uh, but then you kind of go like, oh, yeah, this really is just a bunch of squares. Yeah, it's like I'm sitting there moving Space Invaders. I thought that was the best game in the world when I was a little kid. And now it's like, what in the, how did I ever think Frogger, Bad Dudes? I don't get it. Like, why bad did I dudes. think these things are great games? I love them. And now it's so boring to me. But Tetris, for some reason, is the one game that is, like, simple. And I still, like, I can still play that game. Yeah, Tetris is great. I play that on airplanes all the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we should all collectively write a check to that poor uh, Russian guy who designed it, who never got any money. He never got money off of that. I don't think so. Wasn't because he, wasn't he who Mickey Rourke's character oh. in Iron Man Two was based on? Oh, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> you, you did. You did G Force, a uh, hundred greatest games. Also, I right? did. Yeah. I did too. Yeah, oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys talk about? That was a blast. I talked about uh, Blades of Steel, uh, which is the hockey game for Nintendo that talked. Yeah. Remember that one? Wow. The uh, the Sims. I talked about The Sims. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I talked about a lot of stuff. I probably talked about, like, Joust and Galaga. That's and what he's, actually, he told me that. Somebody told me that, that you talked about all old school stuff. There were a couple that weren't on the list, and I'm like, well, but I'm going to talk about them anyway, because I really loved the... Robotron 2084 was a big game for me, and then all the 2600 games, like Pitfall and Superman and Adventure, yeah. and then... The, and then Super Mario 3 was very, like, I spent, you know, I played that game so many times. Yeah, uh, yeah I they, talked about, like, they, Mario they Party the, and stuff. I actually, one thing I'm proud of is I got a game onto the list because they sent me the game of the hundred, you know, the, the list of the hundred games that yeah. were, like, the top games. And I'm like, man, I'm like, there was a couple games I sent that I'm like, like Splinter Cell, I really wanted to be on the list, and it's not because I really like that game a lot. But I, you know, I get it. There's only hundred games. But the one I thought was a huge glaring error was uh, Mist. Oh, oh, Mist! What the Mist sequel to Riven? And I and I or was Riven Mist was the sequel? Riven, Riven was the sequel to Mist. And I'm like, you can't leave Mist that game off completely the list. redefined like what an exactly. immersive three uh, an it environment. Was totally beautiful. It was the first time a video game was kind of seen as art. Yep. Uh, a lot of Lost was based on uh, those the, puzzle the, games of, of Mist. And and it's just it was an amazing game and there was no way that's not in the top 100 video games. Starship Titanic was like that too. If you ever played that game, no. uh, Starship Titanic was a mist style puzzle game where you're on this, you know, like Douglas Adamsy, you know, um, and it's Michael Palin. I think was one of the narrators of it, uh, and it and it was just like gorgeous. You were on this kind of steampunk space vessel. That and then um, Zork the Grand Inquisitor was a fucking great game too, and 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 funny yeah. all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we're almost out of time. The, the, the thing's gonna run out in forty. Okay. Yeah, in forty three, forty two, forty one. Oh, you don't have to count 40. down the whole time. You can just wrap it up, maybe. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, no, seconds. I'm trying to psych out the machine. Thirty seconds. I'm counting you down. I know what you're doing, machine. 
Uh, James Gunn, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you. Lollipop Chains, uh, June 12th. Yes, enjoy your burrito, you pieces of shit. <laughs> oh, block your ass. <laughs> that was for Jonah. Jonah should have been here for that. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by GoToMyPC. Visit GoToMyPC.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code NERDIST. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.